Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to go to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. I hope everyone today is listening is registered to vote. The midterm elections are coming coming up, and no matter what your party affiliation, uh, please go out and vote. California, and in a lot of states, judges are elected or appointed but have to face re-election. So if you're not happy with your judge, make sure that you and those who you know vote for the judges that will support families and keep those judges in office and also elect the lawmakers that will pass the laws that will help families stay together. Recently, there was uh, some proposed legislation in the state of California legislature that would give uh, the parent or relative the right to tape record um, any conversations with the social workers. So many times people tell me, Mr. Davis, I didn't tell the social worker that. If these conversations were recorded, we'd probably have a different situation and different outcomes. That legislation in California, by the way, did not pass. Today I want to talk about something that's been on my mind this entire week, and that is uh, relative placement. I've gotten a lot of calls from all, all over the state of California and a few outside of the state, and this is how the conversation goes usually. I'm the grandmother. The social worker took the kids from the parents, and the social worker won't place the children in my home. Instead, they have placed the children in a foster home. For those of you that are getting those calls, please Google Welfare and Institutions Code, Section 309. Read it carefully. Then contact an attorney who is familiar with juvenile court proceedings and develop a strategy to get your children back. I'm going to take the first call this morning from Area Code 559, ending in 07. Good morning, Hi, good morning, you're on with the turn. Good morning, Mr. Vincent. Did you have a, did you have a yeah, story I have to a, tell? Or a yeah, I got a story to tell, uh, tell and, and I have a few questions to ask you, Mr. Vincent. My first question is my child has been removed from my care the second time. And <clears throat> she's at 17 and a half right now. She's going to turn 18. And my first question is about the AB12 program. I want her to be um, participate in AB12 program. And is it to qualify for that program? Is it I have to terminate my reunification with my child? Is that I have to do that, or it's not necessary for termination of my reunification? I want her to enroll for AB12 program so that she can um, have a placement in university. That is my first question. And my okay, the answer second, to your, yeah. 
Go ahead. The answer to your first question is the way the law is set up right now, I believe, is that you would have to end your formal reunification services. However, that won't stop you from doing reunification services on your own and, uh, you know, in the hopes that you will reunify with the child in the future. What's your second question? Okay, my second question is, um, can my child be adopted? Or this is what scared me, if he already turned to 17 and a half years old. That's my second question. Or can, okay, can so the you, court after that uh, terminate my parental rights? So that's my second question. Still terminate your parental rights. However, if your daughter is 17 and a half years old and she doesn't want to uh, have her rights terminated or have your rights terminated, it's unlikely that that would happen in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, my third question. Can the court uh, social worker order the, the the judge after I completed all the classes, um, which is uh, <clears throat> uh, in the agreement, in the initial agreement, and uh, after I completed all the classes and everything and got all the certificate, even though I did not do anything wrong, I was forced to take all that classes. And after I finished and um, completed all the classes, the county council just want to give me a hard time and ask me to do extra classes, which never makes sense. Uh, so how should I contest about these classes? Well, have the classes, have those additional classes been court ordered? The Actually, it's not the judge never ordered that, but the judge was, the county council tell the judge, to to put that class because the judge wants to do the reunification, but then uh, the county council said no after I completed all the classes and told the judge we want him to do extra classes. And I told uh, my um, court-appointed attorney, why should I do the classes only after I completed everything? It's not in the agreements. <clears throat> and... Um, they never tell me halfway of it after I completed everything. Then I say that's not fair for me because it's like, um, you know, you're getting a traffic ticket and you pay the fine. And when you go to court, um, they tell you uh, to pay, oh, we don't want $100 from you. We want $1,000. So that, I think, is abuse of power. So that is my... Well, you, ask a very, you ask a very good question, and I'm going to give you my opinion. Um, whatever classes or counseling sessions you have to do, they're ordered, they're court-ordered at the disposition hearing. And a lot of times when you come up to the six-month review or the 12-month review, the new social worker all of a sudden determines you need to add additional types of counseling or parenting classes or drug testing or whatever. And therefore, we're not going to give the children back to you. In my opinion, the way the code is written, if you complete the original disposition plan, the social worker then has to prove that you're still a substantial risk to the child. Um, But if you've basically done everything the judge has asked you, that's going to be very hard for the social worker to do. And in most cases, and I say most cases, not all cases, it would be virtually impossible for the social worker to do. So here's what happens. I get a lot of people that call me and tell me this. 
the court ordered parenting, individual counseling, and drug testing at the disposition hearing. And for the next six months, the uh, parent does all of that. Then at the six-month hearing, um, the social worker says, well, I don't think that the child should be returned until the parent does anger management. Well, anger management was never ordered at the disposition hearing. And unless the parent has a trial to test the social worker's theories about that anger management, uh, the parent's going to lose. So what happens a lot of times is people tell me, oh, my, my attorney, be it private or court order, just that now I have to do anger management classes to get the child, and the case is going to be continued another six months. Well, that's not how the law is written. The law is written is the social worker has to prove that there's a substantial risk to the child. And if you've done everything that the court had ordered at the disposition hearing six months earlier, you should win and get your child back. So social workers just adding things on, you know, um, I, I, I won't say they can't do it. They may have evidence that this should be ordered, but generally – you know, the, the person is the same person six months before, and had the person really needed that service, it would have been court-ordered at that time. In a lot of cases, there is a trial at the disposition hearing, and part of that trial is what should be ordered and what shouldn't be ordered. For example, almost in every county I go to, at the disposition hearing, they order the parent to do parenting class or they ordered the parent to do counseling to address case issues. I never figured out what that means. But those are just throwaway things that they're asking you to do. And in my opinion, they're asking you to do it, not necessarily because they think you need it, but that's how they make money from the federal government. They get reimbursed for services they provide you. So if they're providing you parenting classes or if they're providing you individual counseling to address case issues, you know, um, they get paid for that. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, who, what, you know, what's it going to hurt to do parenting? They're probably right. There's no, everyone should probably take a parenting class. I knew I, I know I should have taken a parenting class, but that's I did that. I did that. I did that. The point is, should it be court ordered by the judge? Is there evidence to show that you need a parenting class? And in most of these cases, you know, there are domestic violence cases, there are drug cases. Parenting isn't an issue, in my humble opinion. It's the domestic violence. It's the drug use. Uh, most people know how to do parenting. Would they benefit from taking a parenting class? Yes. But the law is very strict, and we're not going to interfere in people's lives with respect to their children unless there's substantial evidence. And these throwaway parenting classes, these throwaway individual counseling classes, you know, if the client agrees to do it, that's fine, but in a lot of cases, it's not necessary. And it just adds an extra burden or extra yeah, I, I, to the that's what, getting their child back. That's what Mr. Wilson, I was very upset. Um, I told uh, uh, the court, uh, my court-appointed attorney, and uh, I said that uh, one thing, the classes that they asked me to do is 52 weeks reassessment classes, Okay. Um, I said that my child is going to be turned 18 very soon, in six month times, and 52 weeks mean a, a one year, uh, which not, which is not even uh, you know, 
she will be turned 18. They just want to, because I filed a lawsuit against them. I don't know if this is because of the retaliation for my civil case or just because they just want to show that, uh, uh, you know, when I filed the uh, initially lawsuit, that they want to show something that, uh, you know, I did something wrong. That's why I go classes. So that's why I'm trying to avoid that um, um, in my later uh, later case, on the civil case. Uh, that's what. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So that's why I say I'm not in agreement to uh, to do the risk assessment 52 because so far they haven't proved anything. They uh, The social worker fabricated and lied a lot on their detention report with, without any concrete evidence. They alter and manipulate a lot of uh, 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 paperwork saying that this been said, this been said, but nothing, no substantiated evidence was even proof. Uh, but the police who done the investigation, um, they determined that no substantiated allegation was found. But despite that, I don't know why the law is giving social worker so much power on based on preponderance evidence, and the judge basic basically only solely be, uh, deciding and make the determination everything entirely just based on social worker um, report. The parents right. like me never get right. any chance to say my side of story. Every time we want to, the parents like me, I want to ask for the trial. I was told repeatedly to step out uh, from the court courthouse. So I never get any chance to go for trial, neither last year when my child was removed and this year again when the child removed. My child has uh, <clears throat> uh, illnesses of chronic disease which they don't understand. So that's what happened. And uh, uh, the child recanted well, sir, everything that... Yeah, go ahead. Sir, sir, I was going to thank you for the call. Um, I'm going to comment some more about having a trial, but we're kind of backing up in the queue with calls that are waiting. But I want to appreciate okay. I appreciate you calling, and please keep listening. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to comment about what he said about trials. I hear this a lot from people. Mr. Davis, I didn't have a trial. Mr. Davis, they wouldn't let me have a trial. Mr. Davis, they made me plead no contest, and I didn't want to. Let me say this, and let me be clear. Every person in the juvenile court system, the CPS courts, has a right to have a full and fair hearing, and that includes a trial. It's your constitutional right, and they're both the state and federal constitution. Don't let someone talk you into not having a trial because nine times out of ten, you'll regret it. Now, here's the other thing I want to tell you. Sometimes when you have a trial, it's done by way of argument, oral argument by the attorneys based upon the evidence that the social worker has already submitted. Nine and a half times out of ten, you're going to lose that trial. And the reason is is because attorneys' oral arguments, they're not evidence. Those arguments are not evidence. And if the only evidence against you is what the social worker has turned in, guess what? 
you're going to lose. So if people tell you, hey, I'm going to have a trial and we're going to do it by way of argument, tell them, you know, hey, we got to talk about this because I heard that, you know, I have to put on evidence myself to win the trial. We just did a case in my office not too long ago about a woman uh, where the social workers report recommended for many reasons why the child or the children in this case shouldn't be returned. Well, the attorney from my office assigned to the case had a trial, and in that trial she brought forth witnesses, the counseling, the parenting instructor, you know, those types of people, to testify on behalf of the mother. And even though the social worker um, left children don't go home, based upon that testimony, other children were returned. Had they just done that trial by way of argument, the woman would have lost and she wouldn't have gotten her children returned to her. So make sure that when you have a trial, you have a real trial. The next call I'm going to take is from area code 727, ending in 67. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. Is this area code 727? Okay. Maybe they just want to listen and don't want to speak today. I'm going to take another call from area code 661, ending in 57. Good morning, Mr. Davis. Good morning. My situation, it's, uh, it's a, a lot different than everybody else. I've been, uh, I have a baby. I'm the, I'm, so, I'm the father of the baby, and I was told I'm not the father. And I was not given any papers from the CPS workers and, or the court or, or anything. And I believe they defrauded me of my baby. And my baby is about to be four years old. I need to know what can I do to get back to court and prove that I am the father. And I was given false papers and uh, they basically robbed me of my child. Okay, what do you mean you were given false papers? False papers by who? Okay, DNA, I was, the baby was born on November 19, 2014. And uh, the the mother was tested positive for uh, drugs. They kind of, they were trying to take the baby from her. I stepped in, and uh, they said, well, we got to go to court. And we, uh, because the baby mom, uh, she told them it might be somebody else also beside me. There's an, another person involved. So it got kind of co- complicated. I took a DNA test, and I was told by the CBS worker at my home, in my own uh, you know, time at night, that I'm not the father. And I was like shocked. I said, why would you call me? Tell me I'm not the father. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you know, the judge supposed to tell me that's not you. And I kind of cussed her out and, and I got mad and I called my attorney the next day and my attorney says, well, it is what it is, Bill. So sorry. You know, you're not the father. And I went to court uh, uh, two weeks later, and the judge told me I'm not the father. But I was like, and I didn't see the baby for a long time. Seven months later, she calls me up, and she she said, let me see the baby. I started taking pictures. 
and uh, and she asked me if I would pay for the pictures uh, when the baby was two days old when at the hospital, and I paid for them. She got them. She gave me one, and it looks like one of my children. It looks like identical twins, and I start going crazy. I went to court to try to get the DNA paperwork. They told me it's a closed file. Uh, we cannot give you anything. I said, why, why not? They said, you can't. Your attorney has to give it to you. Called my attorney. My attorney says, uh, I don't have it, but let me see what I can do. They gave me a piece of paper. The paper they gave me is like bullshit. It's nothing. And uh, how I know it's, it's, not, it's not the real thing because several months later, I was involved in another case that they told, the young lady says, I am the father of her child. I went to court. I did a DNA test in L.A. The same L.A. County now, the CBS workers in L.A. and Lancaster, uh, and it's under, you know, it's L.A. area. So the other ones, I took a DNA there. They sent me paper in the mail explaining to me I'm not the father, and I knew I wasn't the father for the second child, and I was happy. But the first child, I am the father. It looks like me. It looks like my other daughter, and I can't do nothing about it. I'm like I don't have a lot of money to spend and to fight and this, this and that. But I believe in in, in everything. The paperwork I got, the runaround they gave me, and all that stuff. The CPS workers, they manipulated everything and lab corp the first test i took lab corp uh they you know they they do these things uh, on the computer and stuff and uh just falsify the paperwork i know for for a fact they did you know but what can i do i mean i don't have a lot of money i'm on social security i'm 65 years old and the baby's been adopted by a family, uh, uh, her, her stepbrother, her half-brother, uh, sister-in-law, they adopted the baby. And, and, and every day I think about it and nothing I can do about it. You know, like I said, I'm retired, 65 years old. I don't, I don't want to, but I want to be part of that baby. You know, like I want to be able to see my baby and they adopted her and I don't mind. And, because that's a family, which is okay, but I won't be able to have the rights because it is my blood. She has sisters, five of them, and they want to get involved in her life. But what can I do to prove and to get, you know, to get back into this and do something about it? I think about it every day, Wait, but I'm helpless. Let me answer the question for you, okay? Okay. First of all, you have to get an attorney because I doubt that you have the training or experience to do this yourself. Right. But you're going to have to make, you have to make a motion or file a, what is called a writ of quantum novus to try to set aside everything and ask for the DNA test. Do you have a copy of the original DNA test? Uh, Davis. I sent it to your office. You have that. Okay. And do you I have sent you, you I, I, mean, I, I, I don't know if you remember or not, but I did talk to you on uh, 
a private consultation and you told me I do have a case and we need to pursue that, but then you needed money, a lot of money, and I don't have the money. And, and we kind of, you know, like uh, just let it go because I don't have the money. And, uh, and that's why, but you looked at it and you had, I, I emailed, I, I faxed you 27 pages of all the paperwork. And you told me personally uh, in the private uh, consultation that you do have a case and we need to pursue it. But then your office people told me I need to come up with $2,000 because you got to pay investigators and this and this and that. I don't have the money. Okay. Well, you know, I vaguely do remember talking to you. Um, and from based upon what you told me, um, I do think that you have a case. I do think that you should file that writ or a motion to set aside the adoption. And I think that, you know, well, you should she's already that. been adopted. Now, hold on, hold on. She's already been... Hold on. It doesn't matter. In my opinion, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, now, here's the problem. We're a private law firm. We do charge for our services. When I we know. have an investigator, that person doesn't work for me. We have to contract out to do the investigation. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what to but say. It just, Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis, if, if you do think okay. I have a chance in the case and they did defraud me of the baby, it's going to be a big lawsuit. It's going to be hell to pay with, you know, and a lot of people in trouble uh, from the attorneys, the judge, and everybody else when they wouldn't even give me uh, the court papers. I mean, I mean, the, the second case I had, they sent me the paperwork. Everything was, I mean, black and white. You can see it. And the first mm-hmm. case, nothing, nothing is right. Nothing is right. And then I found out more troubling things that the CBS worker knows the half, the half brother of the baby mama and got to start getting involved in her life at the moment she had that baby. And she didn't even talk to that guy for five years, but all of a sudden he's in her life and they're, they're like friends now. And she found it like it's kind of weird, but the CBS worker they goes goes the same church with him. She knows the family, and and I think they they kind of you know they work together on it, and they you know they said, well, this guy's an old man; he doesn't need to you know worry about this child. Let her have a better chance with other family, young family, and stuff. Which you know what. Okay, it's fine and dandy, and it's okay, but it's not okay. I mean, I would take care of my child. I would have, I have, I have daughters that they would help me, and they would step up and touch their sister. But I'm not giving that chance. I've been deprived, lied to, rear-ridden me, and I just need help. I don't know what can I do. You know, money, I've Maybe I can borrow some money, you know, here and there, but God, you know, I know I have a good case. I know it's going to be a big lawsuit. I think, you know, uh, take a chance on it, Mr. Davis, and, and, and uh, do something, maybe help to help me. Uh, you know, and uh, you will, uh, you know, get paid no matter what. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, can you call my office, make an appointment, and come see me and bring the pictures with you? I I said you almost everything. I, I kind of basically uh, for the past two years, I 
you know, I've been having a lot of uh, issues with uh, uh, with this, and uh, I put the paper somewhere. I can't find them. I forgot, you know, I guess old age. But uh, I will try. You know, I have I have some and stuff. Yes, I can I can. Uh, okay. Today after 9 a.m., call my office at 888-888-6582. Call my office and make an appointment to come see me, and we'll revisit it again and see uh, what's going on because you sound like you have a compelling case. And I do, and you told me that, and I I faxed you to twenty seven papers, and you looked at him, and we talked for about half an hour on the phone, and you said I do have a case with the email and everything, and she said you do have a case, and uh, Mr. Davis you have a case, but you need to get the you know services and stuff. How you gonna get people investigated? And I that's where we got stuck. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to you calling again making an appointment, and we'll revisit the issue and see uh, if we can help you out. I'm going to take our next call from area code 310, ending in 49. Okay. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Hello? Jess Davis. Jeff. Hello. Did you have a story to tell Hello? or a question to ask? Hello? Hello. Hello. Hi. I can't hear you. Hi. Can you hear me now? I can hear you Hello? loud and clear. Okay. Sorry, I'm using a different phone, to, so I, it's hard for me to hear you. As, but um, I was calling because I'm. Well, first question. I had a temporary guardianship for my grandson. But my daughter's mentally ill, and the guardianship that I had at the time was through the Notary Public. So when she got on drugs and got mentally ill, and the police came out, I'm giving you a short version, uh, they told me to go to court to, uh, because they said this wasn't as strong as standing. So I, that's where the problem started. I went to probate court, which is different than the um, what they call dependency court, which we are we ended up there eventually. I went to probate court, and because I have a mobility issue, I'm getting around. They they started to give me a really hard time um, because my daughter, well. Um, and started picking, nitpicking at everything, and it didn't. It didn't start until I went with the probate investigation. Uh, I'm going to try to cut it loose, but they started. Uh, they were really focused on my disability. They started nitpicking on different issues, where the you know uh, about because I lived upstairs. If I couldn't take him, they were trying to say that. He wasn't neat and clean when I brought him to the investigation, at the, the probate investigation, but I took pictures, we videotaped it, and I brought a person with me. Well, 
uh, after that, it was Christmas time, they called out the child services. And the social worker said that she came because I was dis- uh, disabled. She, straight what she said. That they wanted to do a check. So when they came, it was, I, I admit, it was a little messy with the day after Christmas, still opening presents. That I, but when she came, I was still unwrapping presents. But um, she did an investigation. She stuck around for a month after that, making, you know, like some recommendations for, uh, you know, uh, like uh, getting in-care service or some kind of daycare and stuff like that, which I had already was getting in, in order, like um, a preschool, like a, what do you call it, a head start to come out into my house and help me out He's the boy was three, or he was two and a half then. So I did all that, but by the time I get back to probate court, and I, the judge, she still was having trouble about me being disabled. I mean, so much so that in court she asked me to answer a hypothetical question, and they made a perceived threat that if, <clears throat> that if um, I... Uh, if the child ran away from me, I wouldn't be able to chase him. And so she would, like, really insist on it. I'm overweight or obese. And she, she humiliated me in court about my weight. So I was, like, no, telling me I needed to lose weight. Um, I'm, I'm just cutting to the chase. We had to go back and forth. She ordered me to move from the living upstairs, but not just ordered to move. She wanted me to do it in three months. Um, what was it? Uh, three months, get a yard, move downstairs, and I have Section 8. And I try to tell the judge I can't do that. So that was, I think my daughter was in jail then or something. And so by the time I get to that part of the court and I and to, she ordered me in court to lose weight and then try to ease it by saying, uh, well, you know, we could all lose weight, even me. You know, and, and she wasn't really like, like she was dancing on the edge of saying you have a disability, but she was like backing off not to use it. But in all the reports I read, that's all they talk about. And stuff, but it's only I have news and I use a cane, so but I still get around. I get everywhere I need to go. But they were making an issue about that. But then uh, when my daughter gets out of jail, uh, and she, if, uh, oh yeah, I forgot the child services because my daughter has violent uh, tendencies towards me and other people because of her bipolar condition. So, so they told me they gave me these three things to do. They told me to get a restraining order if they came back because they had, they didn't that time they didn't do anything. They were just like if if you don't uh, 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 and um, ask your sister to get a um, what do you call it? another guardianship. And I was like, how can you get a guardianship when I have temporary guardianship? How can my sister get a, you know, run that way? And then, uh, I guess that, yeah, and, oh, oh, and get in-care service or, like, some kind of service to help me out around the house 
so that I could, you know, have more time to focus. By the time I got to court, they ordered for the child to have a, what you call a, an attorney. That's when it really went to hell. And, uh, like, she was really super focused on the disability and all kind of things. Uh, even the reports when she she was she said I had a good relationship, blah blah blah. But um, at the at the let's see, maybe it was at the third time we went to court, my daughter came out of jail, and when uh, they still were just giving me temporary temporary before I could get permanent. When my daughter got out of jail, she was out a month. They ordered her. To, to have overnight visitation, um, and she claimed she was living, which she was living in a shelter then, claiming she was living with her grandparents, which are in their 80s, which one has Alzheimer's. They ordered the, the overnight without checking, and it was in the thing that it was in contingency that she actually lived there. And they ordered the child service to investigate. That went well when they came to talk to me. And then um, also my daughter was trying to cover up her thing, so she brought a past domestic uh, issue that I had. And even though I tried to tell them that that was my ex, nobody really listened to me about that. So so that made, made it hard for them to recommend a permanent guardianship. So they gave her the overnight visits, uh, no proof that she was actually staying there, which I asked her she wasn't. Um, she uh, she spanked them. And he said that she spanked them in the face. So I was like trying to do the right thing. So I, because he told his preschool teacher that, and me together, so we both said we called the child services. I called the child services within three days. Nobody came to investigate. No one, the social worker that was supposed to be on the kid, nobody called me. They came and ordered him out of my home. And after they ordered him out of my home, uh, I went to court and they took over the case, and the lawyer um, did it, was telling that she wasn't recommending me or his mother, so, and that my guardianship was going to expire. So the attorney that they had handed me, all her focus was was to, um, every time I meet with her, oh, well, your, your, your guardianship's expiring, and I, while I was sitting, because, you know, it's, loud and we sitting and they were talking to my daughter. They were, my daughter had her own attorneys from her other case. I had no attorney. I was just uh, trying to do this on my own, you know, per uh, pro, And so, so I, was, I, I overheard them or they were loud enough that they were saying that they were going to wait till my guardianship was over to to proceed to do anything, and because that you know for me to be a part of the case, I had to still have guardianship. So uh, 
I, I don't know if that was the social worker for uh, the lawyers, because I guess people might not know, but the social workers of the um, CPS has their own personal lawyer. Not just the child has a lawyer, then the CPS, and then you have a lawyer, and whatnot. So I told her, and I said, I said they're, they're not waiting. So they, because they had ordered a thing called a a, P, a, a PRI uh, for me to come out to my house. Nobody came. While I had the guardianship, I called, and finally, so I went back to court. We had another court day. They they refused to do it, but then the judge, the judge ordered them. We went back to court again. They didn't do it. Then the judge ordered sanctions on them because they weren't even, because uh, I had uh, visitations. As of right now, I have six hours, but I only get three hours. Nobody is enforcing the other three, and I have no lawyer at this point because my guardianship expired when the investigator finally came, she told me, she said no, they sent the investigator that said no, and then she said she was leaning on, on no. She she claimed that things were, like, I don't know, do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Hello? I think she dropped the call. Maybe she'll call back in. That was quite an interesting story. Um, getting a little complicated. But, ma'am, if you're still interested in discussing this with me, please call my office today after 9 at 888 and make an appointment. For all the listeners out there today, if you call my office uh, after 9, you can request my book, The Secrets is and When, Request a copy. We'll send you out a free copy uh, in the mail, or you can go on Amazon and buy the uh, buy it, the digital version or the hard copy. Uh, the next, let's see, the next call I'm going to take is from area code nine five one, ending in nine three. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Do you have a um, story to tell or question to ask? Um, kind of both. Uh, kind of in a vicious cycle with neighbors who use CPS to harass and bully my family. And they have been doing it for about five years. And, you know, when you have a CPS worker come in and you explain to them that they have a little boy now that they're raising another generation to do harassing things, um, they um, they they say, well, do you make a report? Because my husband is an, um, disabled, so he was going through a review. You know, I thought that if I'm telling her that that's kind of making a report. Um, so in the process of multiple investigations. Um, typically they're around Christmas. Last This year was uh, Easter. We go through all of these different things, and my kids are now terrorized by the doorbell ringing. It is like post-traumatic stress. And yet there's never any 
uh, seems to be any way to obtain a reverse investigation. And the police department, they know it's harassment. The social workers know it's harassment. But when does it end? Why do I have to have my family subjected to this kind of abuse and instead in turn, you know, have it reversed? You know, when false reporting, when is it a crime that's actually investigated? Um, About how many times have they come? Um, In the last five years, we've had them... Every Christmas, for three or four years, we've had adult services called in um, a couple times. We had one social worker who came from a different county. We did verify. He wasn't even in our county. So they, this, these individuals were trying to pull from a different county to have him come in. And we just went, went through the process, you know, because it was, you know, quote, unquote, under my my husband's annual review but that particular time they were targeting both my children and my husband. And it's been, I think there's been about five or six different investigations to date. We've had some really informative social workers, but the last one who came came with a brigade, uh, they, we were reported like we were the Turpin family, and she just came to build a case and everything. And I, I, I still don't even know why she came. We don't know what the allegations were, and it was a mess. Yeah, did they ever come to your house with a warrant? No. Well, you don't have to let them in your house. Did you know that? Well, she came with police officers, two other social workers. She she came with uh, school school district representation. Huh? If they don't have a warrant. You do not have to let them in your house. Period. End of story. Okay. Well, the other I thing, did. The other thing that you can do, the other thing that you can do, if you're sure that you know your neighbor is causing this, is you could sue your neighbors. If they're renters, do we sue the owner? Oh, you could sue both. Both. Yes. But but what what are the steps to sue them? Because you know how. how sorry, how how do you, you know how how, uh, basically how can you submit to have the court, you know, reveal the source? They have actually verbally told us, oh well, it looks like, you know, um, I saw a CPS worker coming, and it looks like. Um, you know, animal control services coming. You know, they they do all of these different things. It's it's a long history. I mean, when we tried to go to court for civil harassment, I didn't have something documented in chronological order. So the judge, you know, I called in and left a message and said we were trying to find an attorney, but she just threw it out. While well, they obtained the information. And, you know, he went over everything that I had submitted in court. Because their kids are getting away with federal crimes. They fly hovercrafts or uh, those drones. They've flown them uh, uh, around our house. They have 
blown, um, or they have burned my kids with blazers, a green one, scarred one of them, and I still to this day, we see them randomly with um, the green laser. And they they have been empowered over time to think that they're getting away with all kinds of stuff. I mean, so I don't know the right strategy, the right type of attorney, the right approach, so that we can put an end to it. Okay, why don't you do this? Write down this telephone number and call and make an appointment to talk to me more in detail on the phone okay. or in person. Okay? Let me know when you have All right. Time. Okay. Um, hold on a second. Well, uh, let me put it on notes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hold on. My computer's trying to be slow this morning. We're kind of on a uh, live radio show, ma'am. I know. What is the number, please? 888-888-6582. Okay. And then right. I can thank you for call in. All right, thank you. Appreciate call in it. after nine and make an appointment to talk to me. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Okay, we're running out of time. We have about ten minutes left. Let me see if I can take a short call. This is area code five six two, ending in one seven. Hey, good morning. Uh, uh, You're on with attorney. Can you hear me okay? hear you loud and clear. Do you have a short story to tell? We only have about 10 minutes left in the show. Yeah, I just have a short story. I'll make it quick. Uh, uh, This is going on our third year, six months, and it's been a a really uh, roller coaster ride. The hardest thing for uh, me and my family to understand is that, um, you know, in 2010, at age 61, after working for 46 years, I had an economic uh, disaster. I lost my job where it was secured, and in the process, I was losing not only after my job, but losing my family, my dogs, and everything. And uh, we were having really a, a very hard time. And unfortunately, the uh, uh, social service, instead of looking at them as someone that can help you, uh, were intervening and uh, and uh, neighbors and relatives were saying negative things that weren't true and it got worse and then when I had no money of course if I knew now to all you listeners out there it's very important to get an attorney no matter what um, I did all the dumb things I no, didn't ask for a search warrant and I didn't um, uh, I was just approached on a very terrible day uh, with my nine-year-old son, um, who uh, was traumatized by all this, uh, by not only the social services, but they had the police detectives, they had the fire department, they had code enforcement, and uh, it was it was all because of the fact that I had stored a lot of my uh, parents' belongings 
um, and they were looking for things, and uh, they insinuate things, and then you get involved in the system and the social workers. You go from one social worker to the next, and each one you think is going to be fair and honest with you, going to help you, and they pretend they don't. You know, you, you make the mistakes of trying to put your kids with relatives, and the relatives turn out to be bad. Um, and then they put the kids in a group home, and uh, they try to destroy the family. The social services isn't for what it's founded on. It isn't for the good of people. It's really to be sad to say I've yet to meet one decent thing out of social service, and I'm talking from the top down. I tried to fight them and uh, uh, with emails and talking to them, having meetings with the director, CFS, you know, um, and it's like uh, they got so much misinformation, so much misfed. Every time you come and meet with them month after month, uh, the public defenders, you read the reports, and reports were just, they were just traumatized. The reports were so full of of, of lies and, and, and setups and everything like that. And, you know, I, I had a beautiful wife. I had three beautiful children. Now, one child has been taken away, stolen by social services, and in seven months she's with a foster care people and she wants to be adopted. My uh, wife is uh, so messed up and so uh, disillusioned losing her daughter. Uh, She's lost her family. She's lost her mother, her father, not in death, but in separation. She lost her brothers and sisters and have just turned against her. And, uh, she is so disillusioned where she just can't even function. She's to the point now where she's really coming there. And so I don't know what to tell to your listeners, but it's just get a good attorney. A attorney like Vincent Davis is, you know, is excellent, even though it's frustrating because of the delay. In March of this year, we thought we're done. It's now October. We're going to go to November with a postponement because a social worker was away and uh, you know it's just it's a very complex very uh, trying situation and uh, it's like uh, they would double dip things they'd put not only one restraining order the criminal was doing the duplication things with the social services so they want to put a second restraining order you wait for and then they say that I broke the restraining order then for a whole year and a half you sit there and uh, you go to court. They finally dropped it because they didn't have evidence. But meanwhile, your whole life for a year and a half is further ruined. I mean, it's like uh, it's, it's so hard even to get a decent job because they said we still got restraining orders. You still got formal probation, and, and uh, you still got this and that. And it's just it's really it's um, you know it's really really hard. You know, I, I'm 68 now, and uh, I still. I got some leads leading up, and every time I wonder about them looking into your records and so forth, and they want to return her son, but my wife is just so lost without the daughter. Our other son, of course, in school, he finally got rid of the social service. They say, hey, look, I'm 19 years old. I don't need the bullshit. I'm going to go on my own. I love my mom and dad, and the hell with you. And so he was able to break out of it, luckily for him. But uh, they really are very manipulative. Uh, I hate to, you know, uh, you know, Vincent, you do so much for people and all you listeners out there, um, you know, get a good attorney like Vincent Davis. Uh, he can help. I know it's hard with money. Believe me, I know how hard it is with money. I've taken, you know, my parents' inheritance and spent everything on this case. 
and it's uh, it's 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 sad. They just they just drain you. It's a money making billion dollar business, but I know in the end that I'll get my day in court to sue because I would assume big time. I am just so fed up with this nonsense because everyone I haven't met one public official, one judge, even the judge is corrupt. You got a judge that does um, uh, tries cases for car damages and he's in a dependency court with children you got people that never had children social workers that are 25 years old worried about their color of their purse making gobs of money it's just amazing to me how much uh it's like a, i don't know it's just like a, a kingdom that has just been so corrupt and so um i uh keep hoping to see the light on the end of the tunnel but my wife She's gone. She's just she's just devastated for four days. She has just kept unglued. It's just really it's hitting her close and and it's just it's, she she can't understand how a daughter that we loved, you know, would wanna give up and go with some strangers for seven months they've been with and you know, she's sixteen years old and and you know, two more years maybe she'll come back and find us or we'll find her, but I don't know. It's just uh it's it's really it's it is really a hard hard thing, Vincent. I know you need some time to wrap up, but thank you again for letting me talk. Call and keep listening. All right. Okay, we just have a couple minutes left in the show. I I want to remind people that um, if you do have any questions about your case, please give us a call for your free consultation. That's triple eight triple eight six five eight two. Also, I have a number of videos that are on YouTube that explain certain parts of the juvenile dependency and the CPS process, and I'm going to be making more. Uh, Go to YouTube, youtube youtube.com, and type in my name, Vincent W. Davis. I have a video that's about seven minutes long that I think everyone should watch. Uh, So go to YouTube, type in Vincent Davis, and what is justice? Because a lot of people don't understand what justice is. They think they have their own notion of justice, and they become frustrated with the system when their notion of justice doesn't line up with what real justice is. The other videos that we have on YouTube. Also, I want to encourage everyone again, I said this at the top of the show, please go out and register to vote and make sure that you vote in these midterms. Uh, no matter what political party or affiliation you're with, it's so important to our country. Uh, it's so important to our way of life. It's the backbone of our democratic society. And don't forget, take those um, elections for judges very seriously. Do your due diligence. Investigate the people that are running for judge and vote for the person that you think would be the best. You can check out our website at fightchildprotectiveservices.com. And we have another one, uh, fcps.lawyer. It stands for Fight Child Protective Services. fcps.lawyer. Check out our two websites to help you. There's a lot of information. There's articles and videos there. And uh, you can get a lot of information. And again, please call us for that free consultation. 888-888-6582. Thank you very much for listening to today's shows. 
today's show, and we'll see you next week on the radio. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.